Well, good morning and welcome to Gateway. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, and especially if it's your first time, we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us, and uh, it's good to be here. I've been gone for the last couple weeks, and it's good to be back with all of you all. Uh, You know, I I love preaching uh, everywhere, but it's good to be where you're at most of the time, so it's good to be back with all of you all. And, uh, you know, during this month of December, uh, we've been preaching on great joy, and uh, back at Thanksgiving, my brother-in-law, Ashley's brother, he works uh, at a church up in Columbus, Ohio, so when we went back, uh, back to Columbus for Thanksgiving, they were an Operation Christmas Child drop-off location, and so they got these free shirts, and so I walk in, and he said, Brian, you want a free shirt? I said, yeah, I'm not going to turn down a free shirt, might end up at Goodwill in a month, but I'm not going to turn down a free shirt. And so then we get ready, and I was like, look at this. This is perfect. We're preaching on great joy. I've got a great joy shirt. And so I've been wearing this every week at Beckley, at St. Albans, and now here. And then after today, I get to wash it. So uh, that's uh, sorry for those of you that sat close this morning. But, uh, but it is good to be here. Hey, uh, also wanted to tell you a story. Uh, back a, a few weeks ago, uh, we were at the doctor for a checkup, and my son, Judah, was talking to the nurse. She really, uh, they know us too well as part of the problem, but he, she, she loves Judah, and so uh, she was talking to him, and it was the day of our parents' night out here just a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was really excited for it, and so she was talking to him about it, and she said, kind of just jokingly, can I, can I come to it? And he goes, no, no, it's only for kids. You can't come tonight. But every week, my daddy says, welcome to Gateway. We're glad that you're here with us, especially if it's your first time. And so if you want, you could come and sit with the adults instead. And I was like, look at this guy. Like, he's better evangelist than I am. I mean, he's got that childlike kind of faith and like no fear, you know, just, yeah, come on out. You can come. You know, we have been going through the month of December with this series of Christmas messages brought to you by uh, myself and our senior pastor, Dave. And then last week you had uh, our Beckley campus minister, Russ, here with you, and everybody came back. So I guess he didn't do too bad of a job. Uh, that was Russ's first time preaching here, and so we were, uh, we were good to have him. Russ is a great guy, and, and I really like him. You know, as we prepared for this series the three of us agree that we could all use a little more joy this Christmas season. You know, our world today is wrapped up in negativity and unending arguments and just a growing feeling of hopelessness, even amongst Christ followers. And it used to be that we had like safe spaces around the holidays, that we would all, we just all had this agreement that for at least a week around the holidays, we would say, time out, I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm going to have Christmas cheer. I'm not going to be upset. And we would just all take a break. We all had this agreement. And now it seems like even those places have been overcome with darkness. We don't put down the phone. We don't stop arguing. We don't stop for even a week, even a day. You know, Christmas used to be a time of great anticipation, of holiday cheer and immense joy. But I think that our stressful lifestyles have led us to dreading this time of year because, well, our schedules get busier and we experience more loneliness. The days are shorter, the weather is colder, and well, we could all just use a little bit more joy, amen? One of the greatest things about having kids is seeing them experience things so innocently and for the first time. 
Because they haven't become jaded by past disappointment. They haven't experienced the pain of rejection. They truly believe in the best outcomes. And I think for many of us, we wish we could go back and see things like a child does. To believe that anything is possible. And to have a sense of of awe and wonder about things that maybe have lost their magic to us as adults. And Christmas is one of those things for many of us. Instead of being filled with joy and anticipation, we are filled with stress and dread. We hate the songs. We we groan over putting up the lights. We, We loathe the thought of being with that part of our family. And sometimes we view Christmas as more of a nuisance than a celebration. This year, I would invite you to change all that. To try and regain some of that childlike awe and wonder that you might have lost. And I don't just mean the lights and the cookies and the Hallmark movies. I I invite you to regain your awe and wonder of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, And just like all those other things, it might mean that we have to go back and start seeing things like a child once more. You know, there's an interesting story in Mark chapter 10. Some parents are bringing their children to Jesus to have him pray over them or maybe just to touch them. And as they approach, the disciples are shooing them away. They're getting them out of the way. Don't you understand who this man is? This is the Son of God. He's so important. You can't get in his way. Get him out of here. Clear the way. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 guys. What are you doing? Wait just a second here. And he turns it into a teaching moment for them. And so in Mark 10, 13, we read, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus was saying, I want you to have faith in me, faith in God, just like a little child would, to believe with the purity and simplicity of faith, just like a little child. And my hope is that we might regain that excitement, the, the, the joy, the awe, and the wonder we felt as kids that surrounds the Christmas story. And it's not just because of the lights or the bows or the presents under the tree. I hope we can marvel at the birth of our Savior, that we might not take it for granted any longer. That we might feel what the people felt as the shepherds relayed the story of Christ's birth to them that Christmas night. The astonishment they experienced. The amazement they had as they heard the great news of the Messiah's birth. Check out Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they, the shepherds, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, there's a lot of joy in there. There's a lot of awe and wonder in that section of Scripture. May we regain some of that this Christmas season. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles here with you this morning, go ahead and turn over there and I'll meet you back there in just a few moments. Now, many of you have have heard or read this Scripture before, especially during this time of year. 
But I want you to imagine, if you can, that you're hearing this story for the very first time. Maybe like you were a little child. And so this scripture, it, it teaches us that an angel of the Lord, and listen, don't just hear that and go, okay, yeah, an angel. See, we have a tendency when we read things a lot of times just to, to skip over things, to lose how big of a deal this really is. I mean, we're talking about an angel here. An angel of the Lord is there, like a real full-on angel, like, oh, like a type of angel here. And I mean, if you saw this angel, if an angel appeared to you, you know what you'd be doing? You'd be whipping out that phone. You'd be taking, you'd be burst mode, right? You'd be taking as many photos as you could and you'd be uploading them to Instagram as fast as you could get them on there, right? Except here's the problem. People would see it and be like, okay, so you took a picture of a bright white light, right? Like nobody would be able to tell that it was an angel because it's so brilliant. You'd be like, no, really, it's an angel. Like, yeah, sure, it's an angel. Okay, I can take a picture of my light too, right? Okay, so an angel of the Lord appears to a teenage girl named Mary who is a virgin. And Luke tells us about it in chapter 1, verses 28 through 37. It says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You ever have like a loaded like greeting from somebody? Like, hey, buddy. And like, you're like, what's coming next? Like there's strings attached here, right? And Mary's kind of like, boy, he seems real excited to see me. Like what, what's going on here? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, was unable to con- she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, kind of bummed, because verse 37, maybe you know this, it used to read a little bit differently. The NIV used to say, for nothing is impossible with God. Maybe that's the version you've heard before. The, the King James still says that. And I'm not a big translation loyalist, but I just think that for nothing is impossible with God sounds better than for no word of God will ever fail. You know, both are are certainly true, definitely true, but especially coming off verse 36 where a woman that was considered barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God just sounds better. And besides, it goes better with my message this morning, so I think that sounds better. Why is it better? Because all of a sudden, 700-year-old prophecies are about to unfold. God is going to do something that no human being could ever do. What is impossible for man is possible for God. And through a young virgin girl, God will become flesh and dwell in this world. And the angel declares the truth that I pray that you will believe like a child this Christmas, that nothing is impossible with God. And so this morning, I want to look at the omnipotence of God. 
That means the all-powerful God. Now, you won't find the word omnipotent in the Bible, but what you will find is 350 instances of the word almighty and all-powerful. And this word is only used of God. And so this morning, I want to look at the incredible power of our God. Because a child would look at all and wonder at all that our God can do and say, my God can do anything. There is nothing impossible with my God. What is impossible with man is is totally and completely possible with my God. My God can do anything. Why is that so important to believe? Because I can guarantee you that right now, at this moment, there are many of you who are facing impossible challenges, significant trials, situations that you don't know how to get out of, and you genuinely need the power of God. You need the God who can do anything. Because the truth is, you're either coming out of a hard time, or you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're about to go into a hard time. And that's kind of sad, but it's true. Whether it's you directly, or maybe it's the people who are around you. There are marriages that are falling apart or struggling, and they really need the miraculous work of God. Maybe you're in extreme financial pain, under so much financial stress that it's even affecting your health. Maybe you have a teenager or even an adult child that just keeps making bad decisions that just can't seem to get on the right path. Maybe it's a health issue. You have a health scare going on right now and you don't know what's going to happen. Whatever it is, you're here this morning and you really need the power of God. And I know that there are those of you either in your life or in the life of somebody that's close to you that need the faith to believe in a God who says, with me, all things are possible. This morning, we want to help you regain a childlike awe and wonder of God. We want to help you build your faith like a child to believe that all things truly are possible with our God. Because many times we think, I can't do anything about this. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. But a childlike faith believes that my God can. In Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen, the prophet Jeremiah says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Every now and then, I think we just need to look at the glory of creation around us. Look at the beaches or, or the mountains or a sunrise or a sunset and say, Wow, my God did that. My God did that. With his spoken words, he created all that I see. He created the world around me. Nothing is too hard for my God. When I see all that he can do with his power, it makes me say, wow, nothing is too hard for you, God. When I see how all the little details of our bodies work together, how even the smallest intricacies have a purpose, I'm struck with an awe and wonder of our God. Nothing is too hard for him. And when I see him heal the sick and repair the broken and bring the prodigals home, I'm reminded that my God can. I love when I see the faith of a little child who believes with just a simple purity that my God can do anything. There is nothing impossible with my God. You know, with that childlike faith, not only will a child believe in a God that can, but a childlike faith believes that my God will. That type of faith believes that not only can my God do it, but that my God will do it. I love the faith of a little child in the Old Testament back when armies would often battle. Occasionally what would happen is one side would send out their strongest and best warrior, and that warrior would challenge the strongest and best from the opposing army. 
And those two would duel, and whichever one would come out victorious determined which army, army had the victory that day. And that's exactly what happened when the Philistines and the Israelites were about to do battle. The biggest and strongest Philistine came out. Perhaps you've heard of him. A, a giant named Goliath. He comes out at the beginning of the day. He looks over the Israelite army and he says, anybody want a piece of this? And the Israelites, they look at each other and say, uh, nope, I'm good. No, thank you. Not me. This guy maybe, right? And day after day, this would take place. Goliath would march out. He'd say, anybody want some? And they'd say, nope, we're good. You just keep coming out. But then one day, guess who took up the challenge? A young boy who should have been off tending to sheep, but just so happened to believe that his God was bigger than the giant opposing him that day. He had too much awe and wonder to know any better. And so this boy comes out and he says, who are you to come against the armies of the living God? And even the king of his own people, this boy's people, thought he was foolish, thought he was crazy. He's too small. What are you thinking? King Saul says, go home, little boy. You are too young. But David said, no, I am not. Let me and my God at him. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And when everybody else thought that Goliath was too big to beat, David said, Nah. With my God, he's too big to miss. Give me some stones and move out of the way. David took the giant down that day because he did not just believe that his God could. He also believed that his God would. But the problem for many of us who grew up around Christianity is we believe that God can. But when it comes to you, you might not believe that God will. You believe that God might do it for somebody else, but you don't believe that God would do it for you. I mean, I've seen God do some great things. I've seen stories on the news or on Facebook. I've seen God do it way over there, but he's not going to do it over here for me. But a child has the faith to believe that not only my God can, but that my God will. And I pray today that if you face something difficult, that you'll have the faith to believe in a God that can, that, that all things truly are possible with our God. And you'll also have the personal faith to believe in a God that will do it for you. Not just that he can, but that he will, and that this will go deep into your soul, and you will totally and completely believe in a God who says, with me, all things are possible. But this morning, I want to ask you a question. What do you do when you know that he can and you believe that he will, but he doesn't? What do you do? What do you do when you really do have the faith of a child and you've seen God do larger things than you're asking for and you know it's got to be his plan and God, it would be so easy for you and it would, it would make my life so different and it would be such a great story, God, and you would get all the glory and, and you ask him and you believe that he will and he doesn't. What do you do? 
You know, Christmas at our house is always uh, incredibly special, especially as my boys get older and they get more excited for what Christmas brings and what it is. I mean, we love Christmas at our house. We are full of the Spirit. I- I've, I've had to make an agreement with my wife. My wife actually loves it so much that I've had to make an agreement that we have to wait until November the 1st, so you all make it to Thanksgiving. I make it to November the 1st, okay? And by that time, I've been asked like six times if we can put the tree up. Like, we're talking, it starts in like May, we got a bad day at work, hey, let's put the tree up tonight. And I'm like, let's not, you know? Like, uh, I think she would have all this stuff up year-round, listen to the songs, all that, if I would let her. Uh, but actually, I, I started thinking about it. I think she gets it honestly, because this is her dad here. Uh, this, that is my father-in-law, uh, Santa, and, uh, and so, uh, no, he, that is him, and he, this is, he has retired from his day job, and the, this is what he does, uh, especially this time of year with his time, and so from about the middle of November until Christmas, he is booked solid with photo shoots and parties and all these different things, and, you know, Dan is, uh, is just a really great guy. He loves Jesus and, uh, and his family, and he loves kids, and, and bringing cheer to them. And one of the coolest things about all of this is that he doesn't make a dime off of it. He uh, donates 100% of the proceeds from photo shoots and all that to Toys for Tots. Uh, And so it's just something that he can do to kind of give back and use the gift that God has given him, that he looks just like Santa. (laughs) You know, uh, maybe you can relate with my family and I, that Christmas truly is a special time of year, and you just really dive into it, and you love all the traditions, all the memories that come with it. And although I mentioned at the beginning that it feels more stressful this time of year, there is just something that feels different about this time of year. But what do you do when the Christmas season is instead filled with sadness because years ago you lost a grandmother or a father or a friend or a child at Christmas time, and your heart still breaks when you think about those memories. See, all the traditions that you do are great until somebody's not around anymore, and now they're just painful memories. What if this is the first year that you're alone after the divorce? What do you do when tears fill your eyes every time you see that ornament, or when you think about cutting out cookies, or even just putting up the tree? What do you do when any sense of awe and wonder is overcome with pain and loneliness? What do you do when you know that God can and you believe that He will, but He doesn't? I want us to think about Mary for a minute. We read her story at the beginning. I want you to try, if you can, not just to think about it as as another year of hearing the Christmas story, but instead try to think about it as if it was personal to you. Now, if you're a parent, I want you to think about Jesus being your child. You, you know, you love your kids so much, right? You know how much you love your kids. You would, you would do anything for me. You just want to squeeze them and hold them tight. You, love, you couldn't love your kids anymore. I love my boys so much. we got a girl on the way. I'm going to love her just as much. As a parent, you love your kids so much. Now, imagine if your kid was perfect and never sinned. I mean, really take a second to imagine that. That'd be so, it, I, my house would be so much quieter. Like, even if just one of them was perfect, I think it'd be so much quieter because, like, the one couldn't fight with himself, right? And so the wrestling, they'd be like, no, we're not wrestling. Like, the, you wouldn't have to parent. He would take care of himself, right? 
Or, or what if you had multiple kids and, and only one of them was like that? Like, you're like, I know I'm not supposed to play favorites, but have you seen my kid? He never sins. He never messes up. He's preaching to me. Like, I mean, like, like if ever there's going to be a favorite, it'd be Jesus, right? Like, this is great. But I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes and imagine the cost that she paid when she said to the angel or to God, may it be done unto me according to your word. You know, Mary, she's a virgin, and she's not married, and then she becomes pregnant. Not a great situation for her. Maybe she didn't think about the ramifications that society would have for her, the side, the side glances, the gossip behind her back. She's like, oh yeah, the baby's gods. And they're like, come on, you come up, couldn't come up with anything better than the baby's gods. Like, that's like blasphemy. Come on, that's not real. Imagine during that time that this would make you an immoral outcast, so much worse than it is now. Imagine the pain that she endured. And imagine her saying yes to God to raise the Son of God and watching her son then live the perfect life only to be brutally tortured and abused, beaten so badly that his face didn't even look like a human face anymore, his body so bloody by being whipped with lashes, most likely with glass and stone in it, that his internal organs are probably exposed as he's hung up on the cross. Imagine the horror of being his mom when she had to watch them drive the stakes in. Don't you think she had faith to believe that God could stop that? I know you can do this. I mean, any mom alive would have asked God to stop this, please. He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. I mean, Jesus even prayed in the garden, if there's any other way, let's do it that way. May this cup be removed from me. And yet Mary, even though she knew that God could do anything, watched as God did not. She knew that he could. She believed that he would. But what do you do when he doesn't? It's a tremendous childlike faith that believes that my God can. And an even bigger faith that believes that my God will. But I believe the deepest kind of childlike faith is a childlike faith that believes that even if he doesn't, I still believe. Even if God doesn't do what I think he should and know that he could, I believe in a God whose ways are higher than mine. I believe in a God who is for me, not against me. I believe in a God who is with me, who will never abandon me. I believe in a God who forgives me, not condemns me. I believe in a God who is good. I believe in a God who is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And my faith in God is not based on what he does. My faith in God is based on who he is. I know him so intimately that my faith is big big enough to handle a no because I do believe that my God can. I mean, he's all powerful. He can certainly do it. And I do believe in a God who will because my God loves me. He wants a personal relationship with me. But even if he doesn't, I have faith like the three Hebrew children in the Old Testament that stood their ground in the fiery furnace that day. When King Nebuchadnezzar said, everybody bow down and worship this idol, they said, not us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no go. And the king said, bow down now. And they said, nope, we're not going to do it. Then the king said, if you don't bow down, I'm throwing you into that fiery furnace over there. 
And those three Hebrew children believed that my God can, my God will, and even if he doesn't, I still believe. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Look at 18. But even if he does not, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We believe our God can. We believe our God will. But even if he doesn't, we still believe. Because if the God can bring Savior of the, wor- of the world through a virgin, then we serve a God who can truly do anything. My God can. My God will. And even if he doesn't, I still believe. This Christmas season, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know where you walked in, what you walked in with this morning what emotions you're going through, what pain you might be going through. Maybe you're on the highest of highs. Maybe you love Christmas and you're really diving into this. You want to do all the cookies and all the the songs and all the celebrations. Man, you are loving this. Or maybe it brings about so many painful memories that you just wish it would go away and never come back. I don't know where you're at. But what I do know is that no matter what's happened in the past, or no matter how much you want to decorate, no matter how many cookies you eat, nothing can change the fact that God sent his son to this earth so we could all have eternal life. And regardless of all the superficial stuff that comes with Christmas, there is a joy, there is an awe and wonder that surrounds Christmas because the birth of Christ led to him paving the way to a place where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more pain and no more lonely holidays. Because my God can do anything. And I know that because he defeated the grave. He overcame the world so that I might not perish but have eternal life. And that, my friends, is awesome and wonderful. And it brings me great joy this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father God, we cannot thank you enough for the immense love you have for each one of us. That you so love the world that while we were still sinners, you sent your son Jesus to save us. You sent him to pay the price for our sins. To tear down the barrier that was created between us because of our sin. Between you and us, you sent your son Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice so that we may not perish but have eternal life. During this Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of your son. But had he not gone to the cross for us, had he not defeated the grave, the beginning wouldn't have mattered. The end dictates the beginning. So Father God, we are so thankful for your love and your grace that you would send Jesus for each one of us. That no matter what we're going through right now, holidays can be so hard because what was so great for so long now only brings up bad memories and really brings a lot of pain upon us and so Father this morning I pray for anybody that's struggling right now 
that they would especially hear that no matter what this world has for us, we have a Savior that has overcome the world. And that our hope no longer rests in what this world has for us, but what you have for us for eternity. And that we would get to spend eternity with you in a place where there is no more pain, there is no more sickness, there is no more tears. There's just the worship of our God forever. Father God, I, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace and for sending your son Jesus into this world that we may be able to celebrate a Savior. Celebrate his birth because of what he did in the end. It's in Jesus' name we pray come this morning and you've never made the decision to make Jesus the king of your life, to say, I'm going to make him the Lord over, over my future, over all the decisions I'm going to make. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm done trying to do it on my own. This is exhausting. I, I'm, I'm being crushed under the burdens of this life to come forward and say, I give it all to you. I surrender it all to you because when I have a relationship with Jesus, nothing else matters. That is what great joy is truly about. That life won't always be easy, but the great joy comes from my salvation that says, this is not my final place. This is not all that I have hope for because of Jesus Christ. And so, if you've never made that decision, I'd ask that you come today and say, I surrender it all. And I want to become a new creation in him, to go into the waters of baptism and come out a new creation for him. Leave my old life behind and live from him, for him for this day forward. Because Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the only way to have that hope. Without Jesus, all we have is this world. And sometimes this world is just the worst. But Jesus is the light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is the hope that extends beyond all this. So if you've never made that decision, the greatest decision you could ever make, and there's no better day than today, I'll be right down front. I would love to talk to you about it. If you've come this morning, you already have that relationship, and you're just really going through it right now. I mean, I know the holidays are so hard sometimes. Maybe it has nothing to do with the holidays. Maybe you have been struggling for a long time. But another amazing gift that God gave us was the power of prayer that we could go to him and direct communication and say, God, I don't understand it. I mean, I know that you can and I believe that you will, but right now it seems like you're not and I'm just really struggling. Just go to him in prayer and cry out. So if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you and just offer it up to him. Involve him in whatever situation you're going through right now. And just surrender it over to him. So I'll be up front if you want to just pray over whatever might be going on in, in your life or the life of somebody close to you. If you have a decision to make, if you need some prayer, I'll be up front. Let's sing our final song together.